and welcome to this service coming to you today from World Artichoke for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And we just want to welcome all of you that's watching from all platforms and devices from all over the world. We welcome you, we thank you for joining us and allowing us to come into your space today. As you know, if you've joined us before, at WorkFriend we are building strong families and serving global communities. Amen. And so this morning, I'm going to continue in the messages that's come to you over the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to use for a subject, navigating change. Navigating change. And so many of us are already familiar with the fact that we are in a new normal. 2020, I was speaking to a friend of mine over the weekend. And uh, they mentioned to me, say that they've re revised their mantra for 2020. You know how uh, at every New Year's Eve we say, my year of abundance, my year of glory, my year of this and that and that and that. And they said to me, they've revised their mantra for 2020. And now the mantra is their year of sifting. Sifting. In other words, the changes that's taking place around us is so fast and furious. And for some of us, from week to week, we are just barely hanging on. The good news is, as you've heard over the last couple of weeks, uh, Pastor did a good job of helping us to understand all of this. Change is an inevitable factor in life. It is inevitable. As we've heard over the past few weeks, change is not a matter of if, but a matter of when. We all face change at some point and time. You are either in a changing situation right now, or you are just getting out of one, or get ready, you're on your way to one. Now, our concerns or the changes of circumstances in our life cause us to run to whatever we believe we rescue us. We rescue us. The point, but the point, though, is it's not always God. Let me say that again. Whatever's happening in our lives, those things tend to cause us to run into a place of refuge or rescue. But unfortunately, it's not always God. We don't always see God as the refuge or the place of security. Sometimes we look to our own strength. Sometimes we look to our bank accounts or our reputation or a relationship, whatever we think we make all the difference. Now, let me just say this as I move on into this message. We need to understand change and why God allows it. Because nothing changes unless something changes. Number one reason, 
that God allows change. He gives the opportunity for us to experience God in a deeper way. Many of us will never move from status quo in our relationship with God. But when change comes, particularly the change that's abrupt and that's not comfortable, we begin to press into God and what's going on? Why is this happening? What can I do? And on and on and on. And from that experience, our takeaway usually is a deeper experience with God because God will have proven himself faithful. Number two reason why God allows it. It allows me and you to grow in our intimacy with God, resulting in transformation. At the end of the day, what God is after is that you and I be transformed into the image of his son. So now, this morning, let me just establish some scriptural patterns. Let's go to Genesis chapter 28. Let's read from Genesis 28 verses uh, 10 through 17. Navigating change. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took some of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he laid down in that place to sleep. Now, when I read that in scripture, I just thought, man, how do you sleep resting on a rock, on a stone? <laughs> this guy must have been extremely tired. Verse 12, then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Take note of that. The angels were ascending and descending. Verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give you and your descendants. And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south. And in you, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I'm with you, and we keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Okay, so first of all, context. Genesis 28 is after Genesis 27. Something very significant happened in Genesis 27. This was the place or the part, the, the portion of scripture where Jacob cheated his brother Esau for the birthright. And after this, has ha this had happened, Esau was so upset that he determined and said he would kill Jacob, his brother. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you guys. If I heard that somebody was coming to kill me, I think I would change. <laughs> <laughs> something in my life or my circumstances will change. Yeah, I don't need any other info. You know, I don't need any other lead. So Esau was breathing murder. He wanted to kill Jacob for what Jacob had done. Rebecca overheard the conversation and immediately called, you can say, Jacob, 
your life is at stake. Your brother is threatening to kill you. So this is what you're going to do. Pack your bags, get out of town. Because if you don't get out, you're going to lose your life. Now, you must understand in the Jewish culture, even up, well, I won't say up to today, but it's very steep in the Jewish culture. Families stay together for a long time. In fact, history tells us that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived under the same roof in their lifetime. Abraham lived to see uh, Isaac and Isaac to Jacob, and they all lived together. They were a very strong communal community. We see that playing out even today in the Amish community, among the Amish people, even now, today. The nuclear family will grow up, they will have children, and when the male child grows up uh, uh, to, to become a, 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 an age of, of, of marriage, he simply takes a wife and they add another person to the house. And they live there. And on and on and on. So they were an extended family that lived together, did things together. Now, I'm saying this because you need to understand change. So for Jacob, who was familiar with living at home, being under his parents' uh, 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 guidance and, and do things with his parents, things in his community as a family, to now have to pack and leave, it was a traumatic experience for him. Now, there are some of you right now listening to me. You went to college, you got a great job, you've been living with daddy and mommy for a long time, you don't know how they pay rent, you come home, open the refrigerator, you eat, you drink, you watch Netflix, you do whatever you want to do, and then the time came, you have to go rent your own apartment, ah, change has come. Because now all of a sudden, you understand, every 30 days, rent has to be paid. Or perhaps you bought a house. And now the responsibility of taking care of a house is upon you. It's just you now. You have to mow your lawn. You don't mow it, your grass becomes a forest in your house. <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to understand now how lawnmower works. I have some stories, but I won't tell it. I'll just leave it alone. <laughs> All of a sudden, things that used to be done for you now, you have to do for yourself. Or perhaps you are in between jobs. COVID-19 has taken your old job. And now you are transiting, trying trans, trans, trans to transit into a new position, a new job, a new field, a new area. Maybe you're even trying to retool. And you find yourself vulnerable because of these things that's outside of your control. Change, 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 change. For various reasons. Or perhaps your marriage has broken down. Your husband has left home. Or your wife is leaving home. And you're becoming estranged to one another. Something very toxic is happening in your home. That's bringing change upon you. And you're wondering, where's God in all of this? How am I going to survive this situation? Or perhaps you just lost a loved one. And now you have to cope with the knowledge of knowing that this person that's been in your life all this time that you've loved so much is gone. And you will never see them again until you get to join them in glory. So change happens. 
And change can bring a, bring a lot of stress to us if, number one, we don't understand why it happens. And then number two, what needs to take place. So now, having understood why Jacob was leaving home, we understand now he was not leaving home because he got a better job. He was leaving home out of fear for his life. And he was not leaving home on good terms. He was leaving home on very bad terms. Now let's go to the scripture. Let's see what God's perspective is when you and I are in transition. I like what Pastor Larry said the first uh, time he brought this message. That it's not the up or the, or the down. It's not whether you're up or down. Paul said, I've learned to be abased and to be abound. In other words, whatever the circumstance I find myself in, that's not the issue. I've learned to be abound when things are fine, when things are good, when things are rosy, when I'm making a lot of money, when my wife is happy, when my kids are doing well, when everything is just falling in place. Hey, praise God, hallelujah, I can deal with that. But when things are not going as well, I've also learned to be abased. In other words, I will not be defined by my present condition. That is the problem with most of us. We think the condition that's happening and taking place in us defines us. Absolutely not. Paul said, neither of those things define me. I'm only defined by what God has said about me. And he says, I'm fine. He says, I'm holy. I'm perfect. I'm acceptable. I'm completed. Hallelujah. And I'm going to repeat what God has said about me, no matter what my circumstances. So now in Genesis 28, let me just jump right to verse 15. Genesis, no, no, not verse 15. Uh, verse 13. Verse 13. Genesis 28, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Ah, my, 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 my. So in this changing circumstance of Jacob's life, God introduces himself. <laughs> but notice the introduction. He didn't just say, I'm the Lord God. That would have been fine. That would have been sufficient for me. He did not say, I'm Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. That would have been great. He said, Jacob, I perceive you have no experience with me. Let me introduce myself. I am the God of Abraham, your father. Let, let's go back. Let, 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 let me take you back to your pedigree. I am the God of Isaac. In other words, God introduced himself to Jacob as a covenant-keeping God. I know you are afraid. I know that change has come upon you. I know you are fearing for your life. I know you are running for your dear life. I understand that, Jacob, but let me also help you to understand something. I am a God of covenant. I cut one with your father Isaac, and before that, with Abraham, your father. So I want you to chill, so to speak. Whoo! My goodness. If we will ever understand covenant, <laughs> 
change will not move us as it, not, as it does now. It won't. Because in Psalms 89 verse 34, please give that to me. Psalms 89 34. God makes it absolutely clear. My covenant I will not break. Glory to God. Nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. To those of you this morning who is in despair because you are going through change, I want you to understand that God, that God who is your God is a covenant-keeping God and is telling you he will not break covenant. You can take that to the bank. Now, understand this. Understand this. He's not breaking covenant with Jacob. His bad behavior notwithstanding. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jacob did not do anything to earn this right for God to keep his covenant to him. His bad be behavior notwithstanding. Covenant blessings are not contingent on your participation nor circumstances. That should free 99% of us. Now, the reason covenant is so powerful. In ancient days, covenant was cut between two people pledging support for one another. So, the pledge will go something like this. Whatever I have is yours, and whatever you have is mine. In a time of war, if I need help, you come to my rescue. And in a time of war, if you need help, I will come to your rescue. So two men or two parties will enter an agreement to support, to help one another in their time of need. Good. But you must understand the covenant that we have with God. It is not a covenant between a man and a man. Neither is it a covenant between God and a man. Ooh. Because had that been the case, we know that God would always uphold his part, but man will always fail. So what did God do? This covenant God is talking about, what did he do? God cut a covenant with God to guarantee that his covenant he will not have to break. You see, because under normal circumstances in the covenant, if the other party breaks his part, then the other one is not obligated any longer. If two men had a covenant and one broke his own part of that covenant deal, then the other one was no longer obligated. God didn't want to do that. That's why the covenant with Moses was faulty. So God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut it with myself. Because myself will always be, be, be consistent. I'm saying this to you because you must understand what you have, what's working in your favor. You must understand that even when you are down, when things are happening with you that you don't understand, even when the circumstances of life look like it's giving you lemons, you must understand that you are, you are in covenant with a God that will not break his covenant, nor alter 
the word that has gone out of his lips. That's why in Genesis 15, when he cut that covenant that we call the Abrahamic covenant, even though the covenant was supposed to be with, between him and Abraham, if you read the passage, he put Abraham to sleep. He put him to sleep. Abraham was a sleeping partner <laughs> in a wonderful covenant with God. Put him to sleep. Say, Abraham, just go, go take his news. Because you're gonna get you're gonna become the beneficiary. But I know you can't keep it, so I'll do it with myself. So that's what God did with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, in that his father cut a covenant with him. That's what the Bible tells us. That Abraham's seed, capital S, is the one that has the covenant uh, that we have now. So, amen? So the first thing God did was introduce himself to, to, to Jacob. I'm the God, in verse 13, he said, I'm the God, I'm the, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac, the line on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. That's the first thing God said to him. And that's the first thing I'm saying to all of you this morning. No matter what your situation is, no matter what you are going through, no matter what change you are negotiating, I'm saying to you, you are in good hands. In fact, let me say it a different way. You are in God's hands. God's hand. And all state says you are in good hands. But, but we know what happened with all state in Louisiana during Katrina. <laughs> they, they are, their resources depleted so quickly, man. They had, they had to get out of business for a while. No, we are not just in good hand. We are in God's hand. Number two. Now to Genesis 15. Number two. Behold, I'm with you. So after God has told Abraham that I'm a covenant-keeping uh, God, the next thing God said to him is, in Genesis 20, verse 15, I am with you. I don't know about you guys. Certain things have happened to me where you wonder, man, where is God? Is God anywhere around? Does God understand what I'm going through? Is he aware of the pain I'm in? Does he understand I have to make a decision by, uh, by 6 p.m.? I mean, we ask all these questions. And so before Jacob can ask questions, God is answering them. Number one, he tells him, I'm a covenant-keeping God. And I know you are running away from Esau, but let me also tell you, I am with you. In other words, first, he introduces himself, I'm a covenant-keeping God. Number two, I bless you with my presence. No matter what you are going through right now, if you are a child of God, if you are born again, you have the assurance of your father. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can take that to the bank. There's no qualification for that. You don't have to do anything to qualify for his presence. He's made that assurance. He tells you and I, I am with you always. Lo, even unto the end of the ages. What an assurance. What an assurance to know that when you are in the lion's den, that God is present. 
David said if he made his bed in hell, God is there. If he flies like a, like, like, a, like a bird, God is there. No matter where you are. That was the amazing thing when God told Israel in Exodus 25, in verse 8, when he said to them, let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now understand, this is a God that's already omnipresent, which means it's everywhere present all of the time. But in spite of the fact that it's omnipresent, which means he's in Afghanistan as he is in Zambia right now, but in spite of that, he says, you know what? Besides the fact that I'm all over the world, all of the time, present, now I want to make a particular special presence in you. Let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Is it that God needs a place to sleep? No, he doesn't. It's because he loves you and I so much. And he wants his presence to be in us. So whatever you're going through, you must understand and you must believe and you must embrace the Father God is continually present with you. Now, let me just tell you now, certain things that will hinder you from being able to appreciate the presence of God in your life right now. Even though it's already present, it's here. Right now it's here. It's in this room. It's in me and you. In fact, in fact, the truth of the matter is, we brought God to wherever we're going. When you, get, when you enter a room, if everybody there was a devil, you just brought God into that room. If you're a businessman and you enter a room to, for a board meeting, no matter what else is going on in that room, when you enter that place as a born-again believer, you just brought God in there. Because Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of God is not made of drink, but the kingdom of God is inside of you. But there are hindrances that will not allow you to appreciate that presence of God. I, uh, there's, there's a situation that's happening with us right now. Uh... And I, I had a phone call yesterday uh, from Nigeria, actually. And the person on the other end was the least person that I would have imagined God can use to speak to me. We had a 23-minute conversation. This person, and I, I, please excuse me. I, I, I want to be transparent, but excuse me, don't. Don't, don't judge what I'm about to say. This person, I know them to be a bona fide Methodist. And so if I want to hear from God, I normally will not find a Methodist preacher to give me insight because of my own bias, which is wrong. It is wrong. You hear me? I'm saying it to you. It is wrong. It is a bias that is wrong. Don't do that. Don't follow me in that, in that way. <laughs> but I'm just telling you the truth of what happened. From the moment they started talking to me for 23 minutes, I thought God was sitting on my lap. I'm telling you. I have never, I told my wife, I, came, I was in the park, I was walking in the park when this happened. I came home and told my wife, I said, if I ever heard God, I heard him today. 
The presence was so tangible. And you guys know, those of you that talk to people in, in the foreign land, you understand how those lines can be bad. You're hearing three, you, they, 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 you, they say, hello, and you hear for the next five minutes. The echo just goes, hello. For these 23 minutes, it was crystal clear. Every word that was spoken, I could hear clearly. Whoa. And by the time that conversation ended, in fact, that's why I, had to, uh, that's why I know exactly how long I was on the phone for. Because I looked, I said, wow, 23 minutes. I heard from God as I've never heard before. Now, I'm saying that to all of us to understand there are certain hindrances that will preclude you from sensing and hearing and being able to appreciate the presence of God in a particular situation. Number one of them, fear. Fear. The reason Jacob did not know that God was in the place, <laughs> he was so self-absorbed in the fear of running for his life. He was running. He was afraid. And so because of that fear, even though God was there all along from when he left home, now isn't that amazing? Because when he left home, God was there. He was along the way with him. All the, all the way until he got to Bethel. God was there all along. But he could not perceive him. Why? His fear had totally taken control of him until he could not appreciate what God was doing or saying. Fear. Fear will always rob you. There's an acronym that Joyce Mayer put out a long time ago about fear. F-E-A-R. She defined it as false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Whatever you are fearful of, the enemy will so amplify it, make it so real that you almost buy it and say, this is true. But you must understand that God has not given you an eye, that spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So whatever is causing you to be fearful right now, you need to cast it down. It is not God. Perfect love, we are told, cast out fear. When you appreciate and understand the perfect love of God towards you, fear will not have dominion over you. Amen? Number two, hindrances from appreciating the presence of God. Pain. 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 God forbid, some of you may be going through a bad marriage. You've been betrayed in bad in a relationship. Or you've been fired in an unjust way. Some circumstance that's very, very painful. You've been cheated, robbed by your friend. And you're so pained by it. Be careful. Now, I understand the emotion of being angry or uh, even being pained. Yes, I understand that emotion. But what I'm saying to you is don't cross that line to where you take on that pain until you cannot see Jesus. Luke chapter 24. 
Jesus was on the road to Emmaus with his own disciples. And those disciples were so much in pain over the past crucifixion that even though Jesus was talking with them, walking with them, the Bible said they did not recognize him. Now, how could that have happened? I mean, can you imagine that? But that's our reality. That pain can be so intense, we ignore everything else. So I'm praying for you this morning that in Jesus' name, whatever pain you are going through, you will cast those pain under the altar of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ so you do not allow the pain to shortchange you from seeing the presence of God in your situation. Number three, hindrance, traditions, traditions. We've been doing things in a certain way, and we just expect that that's the only way we can do it now. And therefore, no matter what God is saying, screaming, trying to share with you or trying to show you, we are so set in that tradition, we can't see anything else. Case in point, Acts chapter 10. Peter, who opened the door of the church to the whole world, he took a vision that God gave him three times to convince him that whatever God has called clean, you cannot call uncommon or unclean. Three times God had to be persistent. And this apostle, Peter, was so convinced. He said, God, no. You, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? Why? Because of his steep Jewish tradition. So for me and you, it could be all kinds of different things. It could be our heritage. It could be our training. It could be the culture around us or the culture in which we grew, we grew up in. And God is trying to speak to us and we say, no, 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 no. No, we're going back efficient. We're going back to what's familiar. We're going back to what we know. And lastly, in, in, the, in, the, in the hindrances to recognizing the presence of God in the situation, lastly, lack of trust. Lack of trust. I'm going to stop there today because uh, I have many more things to say, but I'm going to stop there today and just give us a pause, a seller moment to think about what we just heard. Changes do come, and they will come. We need to understand change. God allows it to give us a deeper experience with himself. He allows it so that you and I can grow in our intimacy with him. And in so doing, be transformed into his image. And when God came on the scene to speak to Jacob, he introduced himself, number one, as a God of covenant. And you and I are now enjoying the new covenant that was caught in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. God said he will never break his covenant nor alter the words that come out of his mouth. And number two, in that time of change for Jacob, God promised him his continual presence. And you have the same things this morning. You serve a covenant-keeping God. And you have the assurance as a born-again believer that God will never leave us, nor forsake us. We'll take it from there next week. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for the privilege that we have to be called the children of God. Lord, I don't know who is listening or watching right now, wherever they may be, that's navigating one change or the other. They're going through a transition, a circumstance, a painful 
fearful experience. They're in despair. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. But we thank you, Lord God, that you are a God of covenant. And that, when, and that we have the assurance that we can turn to you. We don't have to use you as a last resort. We must always learn to use you as the first resort. And so, Father God, no matter where they are right now, in their walk with you, in their situation with you, that you show yourself great and mighty. Reveal yourself to them. And for adventure, those that don't know you, Lord Jesus, I thank you that the power, by the power of your spirit, Lord, you woo them and draw them unto you so they can come to know you as a saving God, as a Lord who is also a saving God, that you save and deliver them by your spirit. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for your time, for allowing us to come into your space, and we will be back here next week. And in the meantime, please, tune in on Tuesday nights when we pray at 8 o'clock. Let's pray together as we pray for the things that's happening in our nation and around the world. And of course, on Wednesday night, we're going to be praying over these things we are talking about now. God, God bless you, we love you, and we see you.